Welcome to the Latinos in Real Estate Investing Podcast, the top information hub for real estate investors and entrepreneurs within the Latino community. Join us on our journey as the host, Martin Perdomo, the elite strategist, talks about how ordinary people can become extraordinary with the power of real estate investing. Here, he and his guests share their expert knowledge on how to create wealth through real estate investing, the mindset required to become a millionaire, and what it takes to master the craft. Hey guys, this is Martin Perdomo, the youth strategist, and you're listening to Latinos in Real Estate Investing Podcast. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you're watching Latinos in Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have Charlotte Dunford with me. She's a managing partner of Johns Creek Capital. Uh, Charlotte is, is a graduate of Georgia Institute of Technology, where she earned a BS in business with focus on business analytics, which I'm sure doesn't really have hasn't really done much for her. What she does now with <laughs> with um, investing in mobile home parks, um, Charlotte, along with her business partner, currently sponsor and repositioned have repositioned a 25 value add um, and turn around mobile home parks. So. This is always a subject that's really interesting to me because I know some people in the home or mobile home space. I've had some people come on our podcast from the mobile um, in that space, the space you play in. And um, I understand it's extremely profitable. And um, I'm excited to learn from you what you and your team are doing, what you and your partner are doing, and how you guys are growing. So, Charlotte, thank you for being here. Welcome to Latinos in Real Estate Investing. Uh, podcast and just go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. I know that I probably didn't do you enough justice. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, hello, everybody. Um, my name is Charlotte Dunford. Uh, I am a managing partner at Johns Creek Capital. We currently have 24 mobile home parks under management. And uh, since we started in 2020, which is a crazy year, uh, which was a really crazy year, and um, and we right now we have over $4.8 million in investor subscription. So what you just mentioned about uh, my education at Georgia Tech, um, actually, you know, the, the, the training to be an engineer um, actually got in as an industrial engineer. Uh, so the training as an engineer and the ad- analytical thinking and the critical thinking that it, that it gave me uh, is I would say those things really do contribute to what I'm doing today. So, um, yeah, that's in a nutshell, a snapshot of what I do. Awesome. So um, let's first start with mobile home parks. Why mobile home parks, right? Why is that your strategy? Why not multifamily? Why not not single family? Right. Any of the other things in in any of the other strategies that you can play in, in real estate? Yeah, that is a great question, right? So when I started uh, to start a company, right? So if you want to start any company, there are two questions you need to ask yourself. Number one, is this industry that you're about to go into profitable? Okay, that's the first question. And the second question is, if it is profitable, are you able to get yourself a piece of the pie within the industry? So those are the two questions you need to ask. Can you make the money? Is there money there? And can you make the money, right? So the first question, is this industry profitable? Yes, it is profitable. Uh, mobile home parks, because the it, the market is huge and it is mobile home parks is in the first and second year of the seven year real estate cycle. So just like when you're buying a stock, it is on the bottom of the curve right now. 
So it's going up. So the market is looking good. There is money to be made, and there is a demand that's ever growing, which is caused by the affordable housing crisis that America faces. And the supply is somehow limited because we're not making new mobile home parks. Very little because of zoning regulations. A lot of legislatures do not like mobile home parks because of the stigma, whatever it is. They don't make them anymore. So when the supply is limited. And the, the demand keeps growing. The market is huge, so there is money to be made. So that answers that question. So the second question is: Are you able to make money for for yourself now with mobile home parks? Yes, the answer is yes. I was able to because at the time when I started, so today. The market is not extremely heated. Where in multifamily, where those big boys from Wall Street or big boys from all sorts of capital firms, they have been at this for decades. So I found it really difficult for myself to get into multifamily、uh, because of the lack of experience when I started. What I was 25 years old, and、um, so it's so that that space is already too crowded. So I chose to focus on the blue ocean strategy. Where there are not a lot of players, and not everybody's fishing for the same thing. So when I started mobile home parks, what particularly small mobile home parks, which gives me more room for、uh, this blue ocean strategy,、uh, we were able to get a lot of really good deals and really good,、um, you know, value add deals because of lack competition, the good terms. For example, the, one of the first deals we got. Was a seller financing deal with I think is twenty to thirty percent down and three percent interest free, thirty year amortization and ten year balloon. So that's that's phenomenal as far as、great. terms are. Yeah, that's、yeah. great. So you are able to do that. You know, see deals make you successful. So you're able to make that deal because you're in the blue ocean. So that's pretty much the two questions. As long as you, that's why I chose to do this because those two questions I could answer. That's freaking amazing! You said you focus on small mobile home parks.、Mm-hmm. What is this, what does that mean? What is considered so a small, small mobile、know? home park is anything from ten lots to up to fifty lots. Anything more than that will consider considered medium to big. So if you want gonna go really big, you're looking at a hundred lots and above. Some people go thousands of lots. That's like a small city. But I think for us, small parks anywhere from ten to fifty. So anywhere from ten to fifty is where you where you focus. And how do you find these deals, right? Where do you where where does a person like yourself find these deals? How do you、right. how do you find these these? And, and I know you were saying something off off air to me about、um, you don't go into big cities. Can you tell us about that? Can you tell us where you go, why you do that, and you know tell tell us more about that. Yeah,、that. it's not that we don't go into big cities. The cities are fine. One of our parks is in、um, the the Phoenix, Arizona MSA. So, it, so most of mobile home parks are not in big cities. You don't see mobile home park in Manhattan, Manhattan, do you? So there is a reason for that. They're usually more in the rural setting. But it doesn't mean that they're not in a good town. So usually, what we look at, they're in a town that has enough population to supply the tenancy 
And what we usually, we have 15 major parameters in the acquisition criteria. It's an algorithm that we develop internally. There you go. Put, put, so just put your nerdy hat on and use my Georgia Tech, you know, engineering training to, to do this. So it, it's an algorithm where you have developed 15 parameters to qualify your deals. So, you know, big cities are fine. You just have to have a good MSA near it to have the economic hub to provide it jobs so that you have good tenants, right? So as far as how we find it, I think the secret too, not the secret, but I think the best thing to do for anybody who's sourcing deals is for the deals to come to you rather than you going after it. Well, you do got go after it, but you have to have a machinery, kind of a mechanism that shifts the sh- deals to you. You have to be connected to all the brokerage networks to have the deal sent to you. And over the years that we have done business, we have relationship with sellers and brokers. We just simply have that relationship and mechanism built up for, for us to have deals. Got it. And what are some of the 15 parameters that you look for when you're um, those guardrails that you check, 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 check that you guys. Right. Have. So, you know, rather than a checklist, it's more of a algorithm where the 15, so I can give you some examples. So every single parameter has a weight assigned to it. So let's say, you know, this parameter is extremely important. Then the parameter will have a, a higher weight assigned to it. And then when we look at a deal, we assign a score for that parameter for that particular deal. And then you get a product, you get a, you get a score, right? So with all the score added up, there is a passing and failing score. That's how we qualify the deal. So, so some of the major That's parameters include. I love that. That's brilliant. Love <laughs> yeah. It. So again, nerd, nerdy half, right? So I think, you know, you have to be, this the engineering kind of way to, to look at things. Everything yeah. is, um, you know, can be quantified. There's a very empirical way to to look at things. It's database, right? So everything has something to 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 back it up with data, with a strict algorithm. The algorithm is ever evolving and refined based on more and more deals that we do. What turns out well, what doesn't turn out well. So you like just like machine learning, you feed that data into the algorithm to make it better. So as far as the parameters, some of them the most important parameters is the park owned home versus tenant owned home ratio. So what that means is that, you know, a mobile home park, you're really getting to a parking lot business rather than a rental business. You have to think it that way. So you want to own the land underneath the homes. You don't really want to own the homes themselves, right? It's not a deal breaker, but it's extremely important, especially for small parks to have majority tenant owned homes. So the park owned home versus tenant home ratio is extremely high weighted. Another yeah. thing what, is- What do you look for? Structure. What do you, what, What's the ratio you look for there? I'm so sorry. I, 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 no, 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 no. It needs to be, you know, so there are two layers to that uh, parameter. The first layer is the ratio is, it's not really a particular number on it because you have to look at, you know, for example, the, the weight is really high, like it's, the weight is eight. So um, if the park is majority tenant owned, then the score will be high. But if it's 50% tenant owned, then the score gets lower. And if it's you know not tenant owned at all, then we simply don't look at a deal. So there is needs to be at least you know 40 to 50% tenant owned homes. And the exception to that rule is that if you do have park owned homes, but they're extremely new, let's say they're a 2021 model or 2020 model, 
instead of a you know 70s 80 model then that changes the stories a little bit because at that point the homes are new enough to not cause the headaches it would have caused with the older models so that's that's one of the major parameters and other parameters of course like utility structure you want to make sure they're on city utilities you know is it built back to tenants is it not built back to tenants because of one of the bigger expenses the utilities right and um there are, you know, all the 15 per parameters are important, but those two, those, those, those two are just one of the major ones because that speaks about the, the structure of the park itself. Got it. Got it, man. I'm learning so much from you. So 40 <laughs> to 50% tenant owned is a ratio that you look for. That is one of your top, top ratios. At is least any, that, yes. At least that. Is there anything up there that's really important that you consider when you're looking at a deal, right? That's like... That's like right up there with a percentage of 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 ratio earn. And 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 another a second part question to that is as a as a in your expertise in your line, right? As a um as a mobile home park owner, what are typical expenses that maybe a listener is listening and I wanna I wanna learn, right? I wanna learn from you. Um what are typical expenses that a mobile home park owner would have. For instance, in multifamily, uh, we do a back of the napkin, uh, back of the napkin, you know, evaluation underwriting, 50% ratio, expense ratio is a very well-ran multifamily, right? Boom, and then we just back into the cap rate from there. Real quick, 50,000 foot view. What is that for you guys, right? On the mobile home right. park? What is the expense ratio there? So the... It was a two-part question. Parks, for a small, yeah, for a small park, you know, our expense ratio is usually forty percent to forty-five, sometimes fifty, depending on the size and depending on who is paying for utilities. If the park is paying for utility, like we pay for utilities, then the expense ratio will be fifty percent because it's a small park. And um, if the tenants pay for utility, you're looking at forty-five to forty, forty to forty-five. So it is lower. You know, for a bigger park, you're looking at thirty percent. But bigger park, bigger park, you also buy it at a much lower cap rate. So you have to balance those. So, you know, when you look at a deal, there are two folds to two two categories you look at. Number one, the side is economics, right? The numbers need to work out. You need to buy at a three-point spread, which means that the cap rate and the interest rate needs to be three percent, the difference. That's mm-hmm. how you how you can make some money in there. There needs to be some spread there. And the other part is very important, is operational. Right, the, the 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 park itself, how they're looking, right? So if you're looking at the pictures of the park, you're driving through the park and you look at the the homes, every everything's run down, skirting missing, decks missing, handrails missing. First of all, that's an insurance problem. Insurance company would not take your insurance, uh, would not take your policy, would not issue the policy if your park looks like this, right? So and that shows that there's no pride of ownership, and that's a problem with the tenancy there. So that's something you need to be careful. So operational-wise, you need to care about the deal itself. Sorry, the park itself, the park structure, you know, the utility structure, and the handrail. And economic side, numbers, numbers strictly. So those two two things really need to be um, working together or complement each other when evaluating the deal. Got it. And um, you said, so I just learned something from you. You guys underwrite using a 3% spread from CAP to interest really yes. cool yes. um i've never heard that before so thank you for sharing that with me mm-hmm. um 
I'm wondering if that would work in multifamily. I'm going to look into that. Just I'm just having a yeah, random thought. I think you should. It's, it's just a math it, model that it, should work in absolute, any of yeah. Absolutely, should, yeah. absolutely should. I mean, I just I want to find it hard because, like you said, it's much more difficult because there's so much more competition right. and, um, in that space. So it but, is harder to get that spread because your cap rate would be lower and interest rates are rising. So you have no spread usually, you know, that was hard. my next question. Yes. So that was my question. So mm-hmm. in this environment where interest rates are, are rising, right. Are you guys finding it difficult to find that spread and make deals work using that model? And how are you guys projecting out right now um, with, you know, today, the feds, today is April 22nd, as we record this podcast. So yesterday, the feds came out and said that they're looking to, in May, take an even more aggressive measure in raising rates, and they're thinking about going 50 bips. Not thinking, I think that's what they, they're kind of committing to, going 50 bips to fight inflation. How are you guys... Uh, how are you guys taking that into account in your underwriting and how are you guys projecting that out right now? And you're not, you're spot on. So the prices are going to lower because of the rates are going higher because people are looking for that return. Right. So what that means is that when we underwrite a deal and, you know, we syndicate deals. So when we project the number to investors, the cap rate at, at when we exit the deal, Right, the sales price. We we want to be more conservative because in the near future, the cap rate will trend lower. I mean, higher, and the lower prices will be lower. So that's something to care be careful with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so I went to a conference, and I'm just going to share this with you. I went to a conference, Charlotte, in um in uh, Denver, Colorado, a few months ago. Uh, It was actually the day. It's one of the big ones, one of the big commercial conferences. Mm-hmm. And um, what I found interesting, there was a, a lot of really intelligent people in the room, a lot of really successful, high-level comp- – I mean, really, really intelligent speakers, really intelligent people in the room. And yet no one no one from the stage said uh, – considered, considered that rates were going up and that cap rates had to decompress, meaning that prices in the multifamily space – had to come down because you've got to make a return, right? We're all in this business to make money. And and yet there all they kept feeding us was this all this how great the real estate industry is. And it is great and I love it and it's amazing, right? Um but they're not they weren't I don't know what it was, right? It's like maybe they couldn't they didn't want to tell us or they didn't I don't know what it was. But you brought a really good point and you were really clear and confident about it. I could tell your body language and and I can hear it in your voice. Cap rates have to go up if interest rates go up, meaning prices have to come down. Yeah, you got to get the spread. If you don't have the spread, you're not making money. uh, Why would you buy a property if you're not going to make money? Right. right. Like, why, you you buy a property at two percent cap rate, and the interest rate is ten percent. You're losing money yeah. from day one, and you never get out of it. <laughs> so. Why would I? Why would I? Like why? Like this is business one one. So so I want to get your perspective on that. Um, what do what are your projections? Right. What are you What are you guys projecting? Because I could I, I know that you're really smart. What are you guys projecting out in terms of interest rates? And what's the strategy that you guys are coming are putting together currently? 
to hedge against that and continue to grow your business, right? Because, hey, our business is not going to stop. Like, I'm not coming. I'm not leaving the business. I'm sure you're not leaving the business if rates go up. You know, I'm in this for the long, long, long game. So, so whether rates go up or down, I'm still playing. What strategy are you guys implementing to continue to grow, continue to build um, uh, your mobile home, your mobile home uh, portfolio? Right. So mobile home parks, actually, the cap rates are actually, you know, they are going up because the prices are lowering. So um, so because the prices are lowering, we're able to get good deals. So we want to make sure from the acquisition front, we get really, really good deals, meaning that the spread is really big. Right. So when the spread is big enough as we grow, because economics, they, they have a cycle, they go up and down. And real estate has a cycle as well. So I think for mobile home parks as a whole, it is still going up. Yeah, regardless. It it, it could have little fluctuations, but it's still growing, going up. So we don't stop the business. We simply, you know, adjust the strategy and model a little bit because usually if you are, you know, it's a lot of underwriting to to, to, to you have to do. So uh, because if the rates are going up and the prices are lower, like I said, you, you need to project a lower sales price when you sell because it's more likely the prices will not be as high as you like it to be uh, within time frame, or you could plan for a longer hold. But for us, we, we usually do a two to three year hold. We're a shorter hold uh, company. But I think, you know, we, we, especially we're shorter hold and we don't expect the price to go up like crazy, though you don't, you never know what happens. So we don't. We 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 expect it to have a correction to go down a little bit. So we want to make sure we be we're a little bit more conservative, both from the acquisition side, also from the sales side. Um, saying that you know, in in we usually present pr- project a ten percent cap rate. For example, a good example is that we're actually selling something right now. Um, you know, we projected when we bought the park uh, about. Less than half, uh, less than two years ago, um, syndicated deal. We projected to investors that this will be be sold at a ten percent cap, right? And we're selling it now. We're actually, we're actually selling at a lower cap. So you want to be conservative when you project the cap rate. Uh, you want to make sure that you know, especially when the economy is looking like this, especially when the rates are going up, and because we can't fight this inflation and it's going crazy, so. Yeah. So you're a two year, you're an average of a two to three, two to three year hold. You said is your is your average hold. Um, my next question for you is, what does your, um, what does a value add really mean in a mobile home park? Right, because I know what it means in a in a multifamily. Multifamily, we're going in there, we're fixing, we're improving, we're improving the driveway, we're improving the common areas, we're painting apartments, right. We're adding value and we're raising rents and boom, right? We're we're increasing right. and increasing value. Yeah. What does value add mean in um in your space in in a mobile home space? How do you add value, let's say, to a park that's owned a hundred percent by tenant owned? Right, that's a good deal for you, right? A hundred percent park tenant owned park, um, and so you don't own any of any of the of the homes. You own the lots. Mm-hmm. All right, so so explain to us where is the strategy there? Like, where is your where is your value add there? Because huh? what are you improving the roads? 
Yeah, you can improve the roads. And the, one, of the, one of the things is that you, you can put a sign to the park saying, it, making it more of a community, right? Call it Whispering Pines or whatever. Just, you know, you need to put a sign up front at the park with, you know, uh, management information on it. And you, 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 another thing that we do is to put white fences around the skirt, uh, the, the, the kind of a curb of the park to give it a kind of a country feel, to give it a sense of community, to make it a neighborhood. And all, obviously the upkeep landscaping, that's all the repairs and maintenance stuff. Uh, and, you know, cosmetic upgrades, you can uh, beautify the entrance, beautify the sign. And um, that's pretty much, and then also the road work, obviously. But I think uh, the majority is going to be the cosmetic upgrades. And also there's another more expensive um, value add is, is infilling. Right. If you have vacant lots on your land and the vacant lot has utilities set up, you can make your park more attractive to attract other tenants to bring their home because they own the homes, right? To attract their homes uh, into your park. So there, that way you have um, your vacancy filled and that is a huge boost to your NI, thus the, the value of the park. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Charlotte. Yeah. Um, for sharing all of your knowledge and all of your information with us. If um, I know, I know that you you're raising capital. You raise capital for deals. If any of our listeners would be interested in connecting with you, and maybe they want to know about some of your deals, how could they get a hold of you uh, to get more information, connect with you, what's your next deal, um, and just kind of connect with you to find out how to how to get in on one of on one of these these deals that you do. Right. So um, just go to our website at johnscreekcapital.com and uh, there will be a form, short form to fill out. And I usually reach out within a couple hours and I will usually set up a call with you to discuss your interest and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. And and where, last question, where what markets do you focus in? So what, what areas do you buy in? So we actually own parks across different states, uh, but the majority of our parks are focused on uh, are, are, are in the southeast and the Midwest, largely due to the quality of the deals, the quality of the parks and the economics and also the legislatures. The legislatures. OK. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you, Charlotte, for, for being here today. I really, really appreciate it. I learned a ton from you and I'm sure my listeners also learned a ton from you. Thank you so much. Um, I look forward to seeing all the great things you're going to do. And I hope to, you know what, I'd love to have you back um, as the economy continues to to turn. No one knows where the economy is going. Um, I, I think I think we're headed for for a, we're headed for some sort of correction, obviously, with the interest rates going up, my right. opinion. Um, and I like to I, I like to have you back when kind of like when we're in the mix of everything and see how things are how things are playing, because you are playing a very, very vital role for in America. We have an affordability crisis, right? And you're solving for that with what you're doing. It's kind of my blue ocean as well. We we play in, we buy certain deals. They got to be, we like to buy C-class and B-class or C and C-class neighborhoods. But the deals got to be priced at such a point. And I have a whole marketing team. It's got to be priced at such a point that we can rent it, we can make it really affordable. We're not following what everyone else is doing. We make it really affordable um, that that regardless of how high rents are going, that we can buy it at this price point. We could, we could put the rents at this point and, uh, and we're giving a good, clean, safe, quality product. Yeah. 
and it's not all the way over here, but it's still very profitable for us at this price, right? Right, right, exactly. That's that's our strategy. We're not necessarily following what everyone else is doing and what the market's doing because um, we know how that all can turn out when you follow what everyone else is doing. You guys oh, yeah. Time. So thank you so much for being here. Really, really, really appreciate you. Thank you for all your wisdom and your insights within your within your sphere. And um, please, guys, reach out to her, johnscreekcapital.com. Also, her email is cdunford at johnscreekcapital.com. Is that correct? Yes, that's um, correct. Uh, uh, Charlotte, thank you so much, dear. And I appreciate you. Thank you for being here. Really, really, really grateful for you coming here today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Latinos in Real Estate Investing podcast, the top information hub for real estate investors and entrepreneurs within the Latino community. If you'd like to invest passively in real estate with our group, please email martin at premierridgecapital.com.